don't need to whine and shine, blues up. Have some wine and join us on the Whiny Palooza podcast with Rebecca Green. Welcome to the Whiny Palooza podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Green. I'm a wife, mother of three, and licensed clinical social worker. I also have three fur babies at home, too. My passion has always been to help children and their families. I always dreamed of being a wife and a mother. Parents are always learning through their struggles, failures, and successes and joys. I am no stranger to this wild ride of parenting, and I know behind every great parent lies a team of supportive friends and family. I want to be part of your support system. I want you to know that you are not alone. We are in this parenting world together. Join me every week for insightful discussions with experts on parenting and marriage, as well as other parents who have found the secret to successes in parenthood. You'll learn tips and tricks to make life with your family better than ever. I hope you will follow along with me while we dive into what it takes to achieve a happy family. Hello, everyone. This is Rebecca Green for the first Whiny Palooza Parenting and Marriage Summit. And I am so excited to introduce our second presenter, Rebecca Maddox Alhakam. Did I do it right? It was perfect. <laughs> um, Rebecca is a mommy blogger, blogging at almama.com since 2008. Wow. What started as a place to document my her life with two children and one on the way grew to a place that now documents all things El Mama. And she's had 150,000 150, views. Our family has also grown, her family. We have five living children age 15 months to 15 years with a second trimester loss in the middle of that. The lost journey and journey to have another baby after that has connected her with so many moms. She couldn't believe that one in four women have a miscarriage or pregnancy loss. Oh, heartbreaking, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. And um, I'm so excited that you're here. And you're such a fabulous mom, and we can't wait to hear from you. Her topic today is how to approach motherhood from babies to teens and stages in between. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Um, I, I realized that two years have gone by since that bio was sent to y'all, so everyone's older. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and I realized that I looked this over and didn't realize it was in the first person, so I should have changed that. <laughs> It's fine from one Rebecca to another. Um, yeah, we now have our littlest is three years old and he's the one that has RSV and our oldest is 17 and a senior in high school. And so we are all in that stage of trying to figure out what he's going to do next year. So um, what I am looking forward to talking to you guys about and continuing the conversation is I have I had the pleasure of being able to listen in through most of the sessions yesterday and to the session this morning. And I just feel like there's so many things that um, hopefully we'll be able to just add on from there because there's been amazing, wonderful nuggets um, from other moms and professionals that they have in their experiences. So the one thing that I really hope that we can take away today is to be intentional. Um, so when we're talking about our approach, 
uh, parenthood and marriage in the various stages. Um, the reason why I kind of wanted to focus on that is because, because I do have uh, five living children from three to 17. So the stages are various. Um, my husband and I have been married um, for 19 years. So we're gonna basically focus on being intentional, um, having a healthy perspective, healthy expectations and being thoughtful. I have, yeah, I've been blogging now for about 15 years and started lmama.com just more as a place to kind of uh, share my experiencing raising kids. And at the time we had two and our third on the way, our we were expecting our first daughter and we had two sons. Um, okay. So my husband and I have been married for 19 years. Um, we met in Los Angeles and uh, got engaged 20 years ago. And at the moment, we have three teenagers, a tween, and a three-year-old. Um, in our family, we have um, an autism diagnosis. We have ADHD. Uh, we have had now two miscarriages, um, one that we had last year at nine weeks and one at 18 weeks, which was our daughter in 2017. We have had extreme highs and we have had extreme lows. Um, I think, uh, you know, losing our daughter and our baby recently, uh, my father passed away, my sister who had Down syndrome, she died less than a year after my dad. Um, we've had a parent with cancer, job loss, um, but with all of that, we have survived. And I think even through those struggles, we have grown closer. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to perspective and expectations and thoughtfulness. So go back with me to our wedding day. Um, and Maybe go back to your wedding day too. I heard the story earlier that Seth sang uh, to Rebecca on their wedding day. And I actually sang to my husband, Mustafa, and he sang to me um, at our, our reception, both of it being a surprise. Um, but that day, as I'm sure a lot of yours, wedding day was a dreamy day. It was picturesque. Um, and I think most of us probably said similar vows to one another. And if you could in the chat, just type something that you remember promising, if you remember a promise that you made um, on your wedding day. Um, for us, like some of the easier ones to recall is for better or worse, in sickness or in health, until death do us part. And ours ended with, as long as we both shall live. And I think that's the, the first expectation we kind of start out with in a marriage um, is not to expect perfection, but to expect to be together until the end. Um, and that means no matter what. And of course, I'm not talking about things that are exceptions, like, um, but I'm talking about faithful marriages where both partners feel safe. So that's just to put that out there. That's what I'm talking about right now. But if we remove the expectation that there is no out, and we never consider an out, what does that do when the hardships inevitably come? Because they will come. Um, this picturesque day is, is one day in a lifetime together, hopefully. So for us, um, we 
we were able to find a way and continue to find a way because there's continuing to be things that come up throughout our life together. Um, we did premarital counseling before we were ever even um, engaged because we were we were very serious and kind of wanted to learn and figure um, try to try to do the best we could if we if we were going to get married um, and we've continued I've continued to take parenting classes and do studies with other moms um, and I think that is really like so much of what I learned in premarital counseling I've carried with me in parenting and I feel like it helps with both of those um, relationships and so one thing that I think has really helped so much is in having a healthy perspective is to be intentional about the words we choose and the words we use. Um, we have a lot of words that we we will not use in arguments. I'm not saying we don't use them at all, that we will not use them in arguments um, because they don't work well um, in trying to resolve conflicts. So if you guys have those as well, and I'm not talking about like cuss words or things like that, but just other words, like for example, um, you can type them in the chat if you have them in your own relationships or if there's just words that are triggering to you that you're like, you don't, you know, um, I think I remember telling my husband, this is when we were going through premarital counseling, like I didn't want to be called weird or I don't know, there was just certain things. Now I think that actually the word doesn't really bother me, but there was, there was words like that. But then there are other words that are just in general that, that kind of need to be off the list for everyone. So that's words like never words. Um, any of the words like never, always, everyone, none, ever, all, all those words that are like definitive. Um, and because when we use those words, when we're arguing, it really makes the other person feel like uh, they're being attacked when maybe we need to just describe like how something is making us feel. So we have those, we have hot button words, like we have kids that they have certain words that they that really trigger them. And so we try to be really intentional about not using those words, even when we might feel that way, <laughs> feel that the kid is acting that way or doing that, um, that thing that they, they don't wanna be called out on. We have to choose other words to so just try to be respectful of that. Um, we try to talk about how something makes us feel with, uh, so rather than saying, you never do the dishes without me asking, instead we say, or try to say, um, when you do the dishes without prompting, I feel very proud of you. Um, that kind of thing, we will still get, because we have teenagers, we will be like, oh, you know, they'll, they'll roll their eyes, but it's a totally different response than the one that says, you know, you never do this, and where they feel attacked. Instead, they'll kind of laugh it off, and then they'll They'll, they'll try to do it the next time. So it really makes a big difference. Um, so let's talk a little bit about just various stages of parenting. And obviously we don't have a lot of time. So it's just, I just kind of want to kind of do broad strokes over some of these different stages. But um, as, as I mentioned earlier, we have five children that we are raising. And I think Honestly, the expectations, we want to try to set, set ourselves up um, at the very beginning to 
not have our expectations get mixed up with comparison. Um, you know, if we can stop this comparing trend early, we will train our brains and we'll train our hearts to have a healthy perspective. Um, so I want you just to imagine you're a mother of young children. So for some of us, that's that's our current state. Some of us, that's been some been a while. And for some of us, you know, maybe that's something we long to do. Um, so you're you're a mother and you bring your child to meet other moms and children at a playgroup. You arrive and you hear other another toddler speaking in full sentences, but your child isn't speaking in sentences. Um, but you've already seen your pediatrician. You've been told that your toddler is developing right on track and that, that they're using uh, simple words and not putting sentences together yet is, is perfect for exactly what they're expected to do at this age. And then you have a choice. You have a choice then where you can either choose to compare your child to this other child that's doing something different, maybe quicker than your child is, or you can say, and, and you're, gonna, you're gonna be miserable because you're gonna be worried, um, or you can trust the expectations that you already set and you can move on and you can be happy for them or not ever think about it really at all because you know that your child is okay, you've already set that expectation and you're gonna be much happier. Um, our three-year-old, this is Jenny, if you can hear the coughing in the background, that's him. Um, he is, uh, he came home during the pandemic. I was working at a preschool at the time in, um, in, in administration. And so we both came home and I was home with all the kids while they were doing their school. And then he and I have just stayed home since then. Um, we found out last minute in July that I was, um, I had been hired and I was gonna go back to work full time. And we had no backup plan for childcare. And the expectation was that he was going to be okay. We were going to find a place for him. But we did expect him to have some separation anxiety because we knew that he would be very attached to us and maybe not trust others right away. Um, we expected him to maybe not know certain things that kids that were already in school would already know. Like he might not be able to recognize what the number three looks like, but he could count. And so, um, or he might not be able to recognize all of his colors accurately or tell you what let certain letters were, but there were other things that we were doing with him at home that were very valuable. Um, so we knew that he, um, he might not be totally adjusted right away, but that he would, we expected him to adjust pretty quickly. We found two places, like, so we started interviewing schools and they started interviewing us. It was actually a very stressful situation when looking for just a, a preschool for a three-year-old. And we found, the first two places we found were completely wrong for him. And I knew this because their expectations of what he should be able to do didn't match what he actually could do and what we knew was, was okay for him. We knew he was smart. We knew he would pick things up quickly. So when they said he wasn't ready for their program because he didn't want to separate from me to go with a total stranger he'd only just met um, to do his assessment, which he did finally go, but I had to go along with him. I thought, good job, Jimmy. <laughs> um, 
And then finally, the third school we looked at, we knew was the right one. We knew it because there was no job interview for him, for a three-year-old. Um, he got to join the class with me for a Halloween like snack and treat party before actually starting at the preschool. And it was a perfect match. Um, all of that came down to really us setting realistic expectations for him and not feeling like he wasn't enough because these two schools that really weren't the right fit said he wasn't, uh, he wouldn't fit in in their program. And honestly, he ended up at the best place for him. Um, so we also want to think about social skills. So I'm kind of putting my um, tween and my teens together. And also we're going to talk a little bit about learning differences. So this one is a huge topic in our house with having the four older kids. Um, we are constantly working on social skills and just, I think for, as a parent, I want to have a healthy perspective when I'm thinking about how they're doing, because kids just tend to want to put their heads in their phones all the time. They're, they are not as good. I mean, my children aren't at, at interacting with people in person as, um, as we were growing up because they just don't, they don't have as much opportunity. And I think that, I think that the pandemic is, is one of the things that really um, was hard, particularly hard for them in their, in growing up socially. And so I want to be real, realistic in my expectations of what it is that they, where they should be and knowing that they might be a little bit delayed because of the things that have happened over the last three years. Um, so one of the things that we expect of our older children is that when we go to a social setting, like our, um, like visiting family and basically we're around other family members, we do expect our kids to greet everyone. Um, we expect them to not be on their phones. And so um, we, in fact, some of them, we don't, you know, they aren't even allowed to have the phone. If we know that they're going to, they're, they're not going to follow that expectation, then they're going to pull it out. Um, we don't expect uh, any, them to do any hugging or anything like that, but that is just but we do expect them to greet and say hello, nice to see you to everyone. Um, we also have expectations for how they behave in sports and in school, but we're not there to give them reminders. So this is where we hope that the expectations we set as a family for how we're supposed to behave will come to mind. Now, our oldest son, I think I mentioned earlier, we have an autism diagnosis in our family, and that is our oldest son. Um, he was diagnosed at three years old. And he was, being our oldest child, uh, I really had to shift my perspective very quickly because um, he and my next son are only 20 months apart. And so there was a lot of things that I just had no clue what I was doing and um, didn't know what to expect. But I also wanted to appreciate who he was as a person and that there were certain things that he would, he just did differently. Um, but that it was okay. So even when he was diagnosed, it was out of, um, out of a response from a preschool teacher, just giving him a really, really hard time because he had learning differences. Um, and so I had to learn how to, how to really fight for him early on and have kept that up <laughs> throughout all of the years um, that he has been in school it's, it's less now because he's learned how to really advocate for himself, which is wonderful. But 
um, just a little bit about, about um, expectations when it comes to social skills, particularly with my autistic son. Um, he moved schools in third grade so that all of our children could be at the elementary school. And doing that, he left behind his best friend from elementary school, who was actually a friend that they would do play dates together. Um, we would all, uh, they, they would come to, he would come to our house. They would go to his, he, my son would go to his house. They would um, take him to ball games and things like that. Um, he, from that point until this year, he has not had any social relationship like that. And so that has been a real struggle, but we knew, we knew that he needed to be with his siblings. And then the following in middle school, we needed to transfer schools again, just because obviously middle school, they changed schools and where we live, students don't just, don't just go up to the next school. They get to choose the school that kind of fits them. So he's very musically gifted. So he goes to middle school. So we had to set, sit down with him. And what we did was we set expectations of kind of goals and things that would help for him to be able to do so that he could just learn how to have relationships, learn how to behave in social settings because he wanted to. Um, so he would go to the dances. He would, the middle school dances, which are awkward for anyone. And uh, he would set up like friends to meet there, things like that. Then we get to high school. He goes to another school and this school is a music school in Houston. And so he is going to this school and doing very well. But socially, the pandemic hit. Um, he has no one that he spends any time with outside of, of our house or outside of school until this year. Suddenly this year, after putting in the work and going to therapy where we would set goals, um, this was like during the pandemic where it was, you know, his therapist and him would say, you know, I want to initiate this many conversations this week, or I want to send this many text messages, um, or send a message on Teams, or whatever it was. After doing all that, finally this year, he is he's arranging things. He's he's heading down. Um, he his school is downtown. He's able to manage his, himself to get to an internship where he plays piano for a, a boy choir. He is able to go and meet his friends for dinner and then take the train back um, to be able to get home. He is, it's just amazing. I, we don't know what the future holds for him as we don't know for any of our children. Uh, we expect a lot, we expect great things. And I think that that is, um, that has really helped a lot because when we receive that diagnosis at three years old, there's just, um, there's a lot of worry, a lot of things that you can get into your head about, you know, will, will he ever live at home, live outside of the home? Will he ever go to college? Will he ever, you know, will he be able to be in mainstream classrooms? Um, will he have any, you know, special skills that he's able to really, um, you know, excel at? And um, the answer is, has been yes, all those things. I mean, we don't know. Will he get married one day? I don't know. I think he will. He's very interested in girls. So, um, but I think that, that is just, it, it's helped to have healthy expectations for him and make like small goals along the way. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about uh, conflict in the home. So I tried to find an image for this. I couldn't find an image for a freak out parent or calm parent. Um, I want you to go to the chat and tell me if you are 
are you the freak out parent or are you the calm parent? Because usually in most relationships, there's one or the other. Um, and if you're, if you're not sure, like, what does it mean to be the freak out parent? Um, so what I'm talking about is like when there is a, uh, a conflict or there is a, um, a child who is suddenly bleeding from their head and needs to go get stitches, which parent are you? Are you the one that's, um, that's calm and almost like, almost like a zombie non-reactive or the one that's like ah, screaming and kind of going crazy and um, completely freaking out and, you know, when to call 911 and rush to the emergency room. Um, in, our, in our relationship, my husband, at least starting out, he was the freak out parent and I was the calm parent. Like the calm parent to I wouldn't even be able to get anything done. Like I wouldn't even get the child to where they needed to get help. And that was because I was trying to uh, be balanced um, and uh, kind of balance things out because honestly, you can't have two of either. You can't have two that are completely calm, like to the point of not getting things done or uh, freaking out and not able to get things done. So um, we have reached a point where we now are kind of like, we've sort of met in the middle where we are we are able to handle things that happen with our kids. Um, I mean, yesterday was an example where our son has had a fever with RSV off and on for 12 days. Yesterday, I thought like his lips looked a little bit blue. I sent my husband a picture because I had stayed home from work. Um, I sent him a picture. He called me calmly, um, which is like totally different from any 10 years ago, like how he would respond. And he's like, um, what do you, you think he's cold? You know, we just had this very calm conversation. I had called the pediatrician and then my husband came home for us to take our son to the doctor together. Everything's fine. The doctor said he's probably had like he was a, he's like I can't really tell from that picture but he probably just has a little bit of you know he was probably cold or whatever and and he had a he had a little bit of fever then so but all that to say is that we found this like common ground I know we've talked about that a lot in some of the other sessions it's like it can be kind of complicated when you have two different styles um, I think I think it just takes kind of being open and to try to figure out kind of what works for your family so that you can reach that point of, of uh, kind of facing adversity in a calm way. Um, and then let's talk about just reframing our thoughts. So um, I don't think I have a lot of time, so I'm gonna try to just kind of go through this, but give you guys a little bit of examples and if you have I think it would be nice and I'll have to change um what I can see because I can't see what's coming in the chat and um, so I might need help Rebecca with that but um what I thought we could do just as an exercise is talk about things like how we think about our children um and how we can reframe that in a healthy way so for example instead of saying you know my kid is out of control, um, 
we could say my child is spirited and fun or you know you can think about it in a way that's positive um and it doesn't mean you live in like la la land where you're not actually trying to help your child grow to be the person that they're meant to be but um i i don't necessarily like the term strong-willed so like i would say instead of strong-willed my child has solid leadership skills i think the other thing to just think about is that there are there are things in life that that happen in life that we can't necessarily reframe you know they just are um but I feel like I know a much better life as a wife in a parent, not expecting perfection, admitting when I'm wrong and trying to see the positive in every challenge and situation. Thank you for tuning in to the Whiny Palooza podcast. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. While you are there, leave a review. I love to hear your feedback. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.